When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have flown. I have sailed. I have moved about this world of ours. And ever in search of the finest of its kind, we bring you the tops. In Audio Drama Networks. This is Mutual. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain, and the more I read, the less I wish to know. There is a shadow over Aldergate University. A shadow from which I barely escaped with my life. A shadow into which I must now step once more. And you're coming with me. So, where were we? Ah, yes. When we last left our hero, he was preparing to take up arms against a sea of troubles. When we rejoin him, the score appears to stand at Sea of Troubles 1, Little Adrian, nil. This is Day 9, Part 1. A portrait of the artist as a young fugitive. It is the ninth day of the return to Watergate. The time and place of writing is around one o'clock in the morning, in the Parata Dynamic Art Gallery. We begin. Just let him try it. That's all. Let him twisting well try it. <sighs> Gruesome old relic can't even breathe without bleeding. Let him come, if he's going to. You'll smash his face symmetrical. <sighs> Bold words from a chap who's hiding in an art museum. Pull yourself together now, self, old boy. You're all right, for the moment. 
perhaps he was joking. Just the kind of joke that his sort would find hilarious. Not that he has a sort. Blackjack Hoborn is Sui Bloody Generis. Hopefully. <sighs> and hopefully you gave the old survival something of his own to think about, too. Before you scuttled off, whimpering to hide under Parada's skirts. <sighs> and the night had been going so well, too. Your speech to the regents was a tremendous hit. They laughed at all the right places, but for the most part you kept it solemn and sincere, and they appreciated it. You struck a right and resonating tone, harmonized with the harmonics of that thousand-year-old hall, cram-packed with the great and the good and the spectacularly awful. Hmm... <sighs> It was a good speech. More than that, it was the speech of a vice-chancellor of Aldergate. Staid and stern, but human withal. You fancy you showed off a grander and more accessible Adrian Ward than was expected by those regents, know you only through the popular press. Made them pick up their ears made them think, or think again. <sighs> yes, truly or falsely, you presented them with a fellow who can do the job, neither a stiff nor a lightweight. Not the clockwork butcher of legend, but not a chap to be shoved around either. <sighs> really quite gratifying. And surprising. You'd never have managed such a cracker of a speech if you'd bothered to prepare it beforehand. At best, you've only ever been a B-minus remarks-giver. You always work too hard to be relatable, and wind up writing something so forced and inhuman even you can barely relate to it. You couldn't have written tonight's speech if you'd tried. But you didn't try, and there it was, right off the top of a head that, these days, seems more decorative than functional. <laughs> well, suppose there were a few bits that you'd crafted beforehand. Not for the regents, however. You cooked those up weeks ago, as you were playing Dr. Frankenstein with Mr. Deadman. Quite the ominous little flock you released, and while they will have flown over most heads, they shall surely come home to roost in the ears of bastardom. <laughs> Ours is the voice of centuries past, and any centuries that may be yet to come. Our hands hold the reins of civilization, May our hands be steady. <sighs> and so on. Can't accuse you of excessive subtlety. The Harris Mundi must be losing their tiny minds. <laughs> and they can't chatter about it on Voxen. 
because anything you related will still be under seal of conclave. But <laughs> never fear, the message will be received. It will be hand-delivered by the Manus Orkaido himself. <clears throat> a risk, but a calculated one. And it went over a treat in the room. One sweet song from start to finish, and right through to the reception at Whipple afterwards. Everyone was terrifically kind. Your back has been slapped into jelly, and your shaking hand is nearly as sore as the one with the bandage. Even Lord Gregory seemed to have warmed to you. Perhaps you caught him too early in his drinking when you visited him before. This evening he was practically paralytic and couldn't have been more gracious. Some chaps just need a little more lubrication. Others could use a bit less. A celebration is a celebration, and an open bar is an open bar. But, honestly... You're too young to be a killjoy, and too early in your tenure to be a gown snob. But some of these non-ordigation regents, the emeriti, really are the frozen limit. What's most intolerable, and inexplicable, is that they seem to look on you as their boy. An outsider. You must have got called that a dozen times at the reception. Just what we need round here, an outsider. Twist of a compliment. <sighs> then, that bounder of an MP. Face like a bulldog, who's practically dribbling down your collar, confiding that he'd been a staunch supporter of your nomination right from the start. Pitch you right out of the gate, Sir Adrian. Admire you tremendously, Sir Adrian. Tremendously. You couldn't have been happier when you chucked your hat into the ring. You saved us, really saved us from disaster. You attempted to correct his misapprehension, but he was not to be swayed. Saved the university, really you did. Don't know what we would have done. I was ready to give up on the whole business entirely. But you, you... I told my wife, Eugenia, you know, I told her, Adrian Ward is, is a, a man, and he's, he's a man, and that means something. Don't you agree, Sir Adrian? Don't you agree that that means something? Ugh. Tricky question on a number of levels. But not one you were looking to get into with the fellow. So you conceded the point, and your endorsement seemed to touch his marinated heart. That's what I said. I told him, told all of them. He seemed on the verge of tears. He tottered off, mumbling brokenly about poofs and freaks and wogs. 
marvelous variety among them. These featherless bipeds who call themselves regents of the University of Altergate. And yet, by their strange and separate paths, they came together to give you this vice-chancelloring gig. And they did it despite the fact that, Mr. Drinky's assertions notwithstanding, you never so much as asked for it. Yes. You really must try to figure out just how that happened. Good to find out who your friends are, at least. If there's one lesson you are learning, it's that you've stepped into a situation quite as complicated as the one you're trying to step out of. <sighs> ah, well. You'll manage, hopefully. And you may as well try to do them proud, even the ones you'd be happier disappointing. <sighs> Why not? You can't flee any farther. And anyhow, you put down the roots of your greatest work in Aldergate soil. Here they are still. Nothing like a fire to clear the ground for fresh and ravenous growth. <laughs> You'll do them very proud. If you live, of course. If only you'd just left that bloody reception while you had the chance. You could have done. You'd done your rounds, danced the dance of graciousness, and you hadn't seen him anywhere. When a lull finally came, with nobody new crowding in for their own special word with a new VC, you could have bid them all good night and scarpered. But no. You had to have one last canopy, which turned out to be some sort of mushroomy glue thing on toast. The sticky thing nearly throttled you. Would have done if you hadn't snatched a fresh glass of wine to loosen its grip on your larynx. And then, of course, you'd a glass of wine to look after. Couldn't just abandon it, not after it saved your life. So you sipped and strolled a bit about Whipple Hall, until you fetched up in front of a grand, time-stained portrait that rather caught your attention. A young woman, fair-haired and pale, looking somberly academic in some crusty old library. She was sitting on a box, that's what first drew your eye, for this was not just any box, but the same big iron-bound chest that old Edmund Darkwell is sitting on in his portrait in the manse's entryway. But it wasn't the box that captivated you. It was her face. <sighs> Rather frightened you for a moment. Not the face itself, but... What it might mean, your seeing it like that. Given your recent track record, anything that could be a hallucination is immediately suspect. But, no, the more you stared at that painted face, the more you were sure that, yes, 
she really did look an awful lot like, well, Alistair. You had to close your eyes and look again a dozen times to be sure you weren't imagining it. That really would have been too shameful, so dreadfully trite. Young Hero flees Aldergate shortly after the death of a pal, only to have that pal's face start popping up in portraits as soon as he returns. Pitiful. Really, simply too low effort, even for a ghost story. Still, you gave that portrait every opportunity to stop looking like Alistair. But it didn't. Really remarkable likeness. Seems so, at least. Of course, it has been fifteen years. Fifteen years of dedicated and highly successful effort to not think about the poor kid. Hmm. Perhaps the resemblance wasn't really quite so great as it seemed. Something in the eyes and mouth was right, and you just accepted the rest with all. And it was by no means a perfect likeness. For one thing, Alistair hardly ever wore a gown, not while you were about, at least, and the hair was nothing like. Still, it was close enough that it kept you standing there, blinking and gawping, just long enough for Doom to catch up with you. Heck, heck, heck. That laugh, just behind your left shoulder. You didn't turn. You didn't move at all. At first because you were paralyzed, and then because... Well, you'll move if and when you feel like it. You certainly won't be moved. Not by them. So you swelled your wine and continued to regard Alistair's little Elizabethan drag show, supremely indifferent to the stertorous, wheezing mirth at your six o'clock. Heck, heck, heck. Heck, 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 heck. It went on. And on. And on. If Adrian Ward's mere existence is amusing, it seems his petty pride is downright hilarious. At length, something seemed to tear, and that rasping laugh gave way to an awful bubbling sound. Utterly horrifying. Made you spin round, and there he was, like a great emaciated vulture, he was pressing at that bandage on his cheek with one hand, all the while leaning hard on that vile walking stick. <sighs> Are you clever, self-old sport? Did you work the thing correctly? <sighs> Doubtful. But you did what you had to. However much or little time you've got left, it's too precious to spend playing games with Black Jack Hoborn.
Hello, Sir John, you said. Then you shot your calves and offered your hand in greeting. What choice had you? Snapping is a game for the powerless. At best, he'd have laughed himself to death at your expense. It was either shake his hand or try to smash him with a chair, and there wasn't one to hand. So, bung-ho for civility. You stuck on the blandest smile you could muster and presented the palm. Your wrist shrieked in agony before you even saw him move. Sir John chortled and huffed as his claws crushed nerve against bone. You said nothing, just exhaled squeakily and tried to rise above. In a detached sort of way, you noticed the rusty brown stain spreading from the center of the bandage on the old villain's cheek. Congratulations, Mr. Ward. Those pink eyes twinkled up at you. I can't tell you how excited I was when I learned that we were going to be neighbors. Without releasing your wrist, he shook your hand. It was quite numb by this time, and flopped at the end of your arm like a dead thing. Then he released you, and resumed pressure on his cheek, which seemed to help with his sibilance. It's a shame, he said, taking a half-step back so that he could look you in the eye without craning that buzzard neck. You're a thorny little fetus, that much I'll allow. Why you're so keen on dying, I can't imagine. Never much cared for the idea myself. Oh no. You ought to give it a try, you shot back, with a bit more spirit than you felt. It is a poor cook who can't lick his own fingers, what? If you want any help, just give a shout. Ha! This was your funniest line of the evening. Hoborn twisted on his axes, bent at the waist, gulped for breath, and grunted awfully. He spiked at the floor savagely with his cane, and an excessively large man materialized at his side. You recognized your chauffeur from the day of your inauguration. He held a handkerchief to Black Jack's mouth, while the old man made an astonishing series of squishy gargling sounds. Then this titan withdrew the handkerchief, folded it one-handed, and sealed it in a plastic bag. You saw that he was wearing latex gloves. How generous of you. Black Jack offered you a death's head grin. He's missing all four lateral incisors, but the teeth he has got have a rusty sort of patina with glistening gobbets of clotted black in between. 
It's a handsome offer, Ward, he said. Really? Oh, really, it is. Don't think I'm not tempted. He hunched his shoulders and wheezed. I have been itching to pay you a visit. There's a conversation needs having, you know, between the two of us, and it will be had. Oh, there are obstacles at present. Our mutual friends are dithering as usual, and we wouldn't want to rush them into hastiness. But understand this, Mr. Ward. Abruptly, you leaned forward and pressed your ear to the old bastard's liver-colored lips. The heirs may vacillate, but I do not. Their decision may be imminent or eventual. But know this, Vice-Chancellor. So far as I'm concerned, it is entirely irrelevant. My decision has been made. And it is final. He released your lapel and gave you a ragged, gory grin. Then he turned away and hobbled off in the direction of the profiteroles. You straightened up and watched him go. And then there were hideously strong fingers upon your throat. Sir John's gargantuan companion had you by the jaw. You stood helpless, staring at the rows of neat scars on the fellow's elegant cheekbones as he produced a fresh handkerchief and wiped at the side of your face. Close your eyes, he said in the accents of one who learned English well, but recently. A spritz of something icy splashed your cheek. Ethanol vapor burnt your nostrils. Then he too was gone, and you were alone in the crowd. You don't remember much about the minutes that followed. Perhaps you went on walkabout, or perhaps you just don't remember it. Anyhow, you got out of there as fast as you could manage, back to the manse. Shows the state you're in. You brought your wine glass with you, nearly stuck it in your pocket as you were unlocking the front door. Then you forgot you were holding it entirely as you snatched sibling in the notebook from the bread box where you'd hidden them. Spilled all over everything. These pages stink of Shiraz. Then you dashed upstairs to change into the Sultan Lyle. The worst has come to the worsted, and if you're to be assassinated, you refuse to go out in a tailcoat. Anyhow, Forest green wool with a window pane check is the closest thing you've got to camouflage. 
You waited a long time at the front door before you opened it. Just stood there, ears pricked, one eye on awful old Edmund Darkwell and his box. That box again. Vice-Chancellor Gaunt has one too, a few portraits along. Apparently box-sitting used to be hot stuff in the portrait biz. No doubt these fashions come and go. Perhaps they'll give you one for yours, if you live long enough to have it painted. At length you screwed your courage to the sticking place and shoved the door open, ducking to avoid incoming cannon fire. All was quiet. Off you set, at just short of a run, jumping at every shadow. There are a great many shadows between the manse and Parata. <sighs> he was joking. Didn't sound like a joke. But who would dare to guess at Sir John Hoborn's sense of humor? And now you think about it, it can't really have been a threat, either. Not exactly. The threats simply aren't the bastard way. There was no black spot delivered before they murdered Sybil. It wasn't until eight hours after that you even suspected anything was amiss. They were that thorough. Nothing but a great silence and clear, barren ground where you'd planted the seeds of greatness. Took you weeks to really work out what had happened. And then it was your turn. And you didn't warn them, either. You can take Adrian Ward out of the bastards, self old boy. Or die trying to. But there will always be a bit of the bastard in Adrian Ward. <sighs> Just a bit, though. It's in you, but it's not alone, and it doesn't govern you. And, evidently, it doesn't govern Sir John, either. Not entirely. That is something to worry about. You hadn't even been born yet when they accorded Black Jack Hoborn his inheritance. But, as with you, it must have been a reluctant decision. Like you, he's not quite the right cloth for the bastard quilt. It was no part of any conclave-approved plan for him to spit in your face tonight, and that's bad any way you slice it. If the seal of the conclave discourages gossiping on Voxen, it flatly forbids this sort of face-to-face -face aggro. That puts Hoborn in open defiance. <sighs> a public confrontation between the sitting Manus Arcaido and a chap on trial for his existence. You can practically hear the ulcers perforating. So why'd he do it? Well, he's clearly putrefying from within and the last time you saw him was at Weatherby. Perhaps whatever's wrong with the old villain is killing him faster than he can be patched up, 
Perhaps he simply doesn't care about consequences anymore. He may decide to come for you, with the blessing of the Harris Mundi or without. If that's the case, you need their protection against him. Well, hopefully your little speech tonight will push them in that direction. You just about handed them Mr. Deadman's calling card. Their panicky little imaginations will do the rest. Oh, speaking of which... <sighs> there now. The countdown begins again. Seventy-two hours to a new Stone Age. And may it ever be so. <sighs> Suppose it'll have to, won't it? It's you and Mr. Deadman, handcuffed together forever and ever. Still, take a life sentence over a death sentence, what? And every day they'll be sniffing at you, spying and prying and trying to work out if there's a wire they can snip. <sighs> How very tiring for them. Really, you sympathize. Today was... Well, yesterday was a monster, and today looks like another. No chance of getting a full forty winks, but if you don't manage to snag at least a dozen or so, you will regret it dreadfully. Mm, yes. Suppose that means it's back to the manse. Must you? Suppose it's safe. Or, rather, the manse is not less safe than anywhere else. And it's where your bed is. So... <sighs> Safe. In body, perhaps. But body isn't everything. To reach your bed, you've first got to leave Parata. Walk back. Through the darkness. Through the flat emptiness of University Place, where there's no cover for the fox abroad but the patchwork hulk of the Tempire. Through the tar-black shadows of Bally Alley. Past whatever the twist is happening on the pent. You didn't see any masks about, but there's a great heap of kindling under the scholar's tree. Rags and crumpled newspaper, piled up above your head. You nearly walked into it during your flight from Whipple. Stupid bloody place for a bonfire. <sighs> Come along now. You know you've got to go back. But have you, though? Have you really? Why? So you can scare yourself even sillier getting there. You probably ought to change the dressing and clean out your hand. But it's not really hurting at the moment, and you'd rather just let it be. Anyhow, 
If you're lucky, you will lie awake half the night, waiting for Jack Hoborn to leap out of an armoire. If you're lucky. If you're unlucky, it'll be something worse that comes for you. Yes. It's been two days since the horror paid you a visit, and you can feel it missing you. You can sense it stirring. And yet, for some reason here yeah, you feel quite safe from it. Parata seems proof against it. This sexily sentient, shape-shifting superstructure knows all and sees all. If any nameless terrors try to sneak up behind you, she'll tell them off in no uncertain terms. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Unspeakable horrors are welcome to menace the exhibits from afar. But do not touch. <laughs> No, you're not going anywhere. Sneak a quick nap here at Parata. If the world wants to kill you, it can wait until daylight. Well then, sweet dreams to our hero. May his living museum watch over him, and may the old friends who may want to kill him eventually protect him from the ones who want to kill him at once. Days one through eight at Aldergate have not been kind to the vice-chancellor. What, oh what, has day nine got in store? We shall just have to see, shan't we? Join me every second Sunday for a new episode of The Aldergate Papers. Right now, however, you must help me help myself. Please, go right now and find The Aldergate Papers on Apple Podcasts, and leave a rating and review, and spread the word, won't you? Point your friends to thealdergatepapers.com. Wherever it is we're going, may we all get there together. Until next time, I am, and shall remain, your humble servant, Adrian Ward. Thank you for listening to Tuesday Terror right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Thursday Thrillers for action, adventure, mystery, and crime drama, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, the Saturday Story Circle for kids and family alike, and Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week from our United Artists of Audio, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. 
This is the Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. <laughs>